think little girls should be seen and not heard, but I think... Class war. Class war, the only war. We want to just quickly send a nice friendly message to the uh, Fraternal Order of Police in Philadelphia. This is an anti-Nazi song. Hey, what's up? Welcome to The Rebel Beat, a podcast of revolutionary music across genres and across continents. Your source of class war on the dance floor. My name is Aaron. I'm your host and producer trying to make this a semi-regular affair. Today we're going to be going back in time in a way and exploring some Yiddish radical classic tunes with Brivole. Brivole is a Seattle-based anti-fascist klezmer folk punk trio who braid together oral history Yiddish language, contemporary and old country musical genres, American vaudeville, and visual arts. I had a chance to speak with two members of the band a while ago, Stephanie and Maya, and they talk about the lineage of this music and why it's just as important to be putting out anti-fascist klezmer today as it was 100 years ago. We're going to get to that interview in a bit, so don't go anywhere. All right, welcome back to The Rebel Beat. My name is Aaron. So glad to have you with us here for episode 101. I hope many of you were able to catch episode 100, our Mayday show. That was a really special episode for me with people sending in their Mayday greetings from all around the world in this really hard time of physical distancing. It was a way for me to actually feel so much closer to not only many of the artists and bands we've had on the show, but also to a lot of our listeners as well. So if you haven't had a chance to hear that one yet, you can find it on our website, rebelbeatradio.com, where you can actually go and listen to all the 100 past episodes, or you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple Music or Apple Podcasts, rather, Spotify, Stitcher, etc. And I recently just threw up a new post on the website uh, where I reflected back on my top five favorite episodes of the rebel beat so far i've been doing the show since 2015 so it's a lot of fun to go back and find uh those top five so you can again see that up on the website we'll put a link to it in the show notes as well we would love to hear from you our listeners we always love to hear from our listeners you can drop us a line tell us what you've been thinking of the show maybe what some of your favorite episodes have been you can reach us by email at rebel at ckut.ca or on any of our social media pages. We're up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Our handle for most of those is Rebel Beat Radio. Also, if you like this show, please do support us. Here are three very easy ways you can do that. One is to just tell a friend about the show. You can share it on social media as well if you so desire. Number two is to subscribe to this show. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Like I said, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play. And by subscribing, that is the best way to never miss a Rebel Beat. 
And finally, you can support us on Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash rebelbeatradio and make a modest or not so modest pledge, whatever you want per month. And uh, there's some great, amazing swag for people who do that. You can get Rebel Beat pins, Rebel Beat t-shirts, digital mixtapes. It is an amazing way to support independent media and to support the podcast you love. Or, of course, if you want to make a one-time donation to the show, you can do that through PayPal. And again, you can send a donation to us at rebel at ckut.ca. And, of course, we are a proud member of the Channel Zero Network of Anarchist Podcasts. Find your new favorite rebellious podcast at channelzeronetwork.com. We'll be right back. Okay, so now it's time to dive into our feature interview on the show today with Brivolet. Brivolet are an anti-fascist klezmer and folk trio from Seattle, and I've had the pleasure of seeing them play a couple times live. Their name, Brivolet, means a little letter in Yiddish, and they've got a really beautiful explanation for that. What they say about that is that love letters, letters about home, where it gets lost, where it might be now, are letters fomenting revolution. And that is indeed what this band does. The first time I saw them play was in Montreal in a beautiful backyard of a collective house at the end of summer. And it was just after the Klez Canada gathering, which is where Klezmer musicians and Yiddish enthusiasts from all over the continent, indeed all over the world, come to Quebec to, you know, do workshops and share in these trades and this klezmer revival. And then I also had the pleasure of seeing them play once uh, in Baltimore during one of their East Coast tours. This interview that I did again with Maya and Stephanie from the band was recorded last fall, probably in what feels like a lifetime ago. So you're going to hear us referencing 2019 and not 2020. There's not going to be any talk of the pandemic at all. So that actually might be a welcome break for some of you. And I first interviewed Brivolet because I've been following this really exciting resurgence of radical anti-fascist klezmer. Bands like Brivolet, but also Sibylle from New York, Jeff Berner from Vancouver, who we've also had on the program before, and Daniel Kahn and the Painted Bird from Berlin been reviving old Jewish working class music, singing in the Yiddish language for the most part, but adapting the lyrics to today's context, which is really fascinating because if you look at Klezmer written 100 years ago, of course they were doing anti-police brutality tunes, they were doing songs about workers slaving away in sweatshops, there was feminist music, there was anarchist music, there was communist music, and it, it, it it weaved together this beautiful, beautiful culture that I think is being revived today in a really exciting way. I actually wrote a whole piece about this for what's going to be part of an anthology on Jewish anarchism, forthcoming from AK Press, and it's supposed to be coming out in October of this year, edited by my very good friend Cindy Milstein. I'm very excited about that, and they should have info up on the AK Press website soon about it, so do keep your eyes peeled for that. Anyways, Brivolet have been keeping my spirits up so much during this pandemic. They submitted an amazing May Day greeting for a May Day episode, and they've been posting these really sweet videos of themselves doing physically distanced rehearsals in parks around Seattle over the last few months, and I cannot wait to see them play again 
once we can actually be together in concert halls. The band does want to let you know they've been working on a new album, but like everything else, the release date's been pushed back because of COVID-19. So anyways, we're going to get into that interview now with Maya and Stephanie from Brivolet, but first, let's hear a new cut of theirs to give you a taste of their music and the magic of their voices. This is a feminist labor classic. Some of you may know it. It's Bread and Roses, but translated into Yiddish by Aaron Gonsher and Edith Cooper of the Dora Wasserman Yiddish Theater. Here we go with Brivolet. Wenn wir kommen und marschieren, dann männer euch kennt man. Weil Freuen sind und Rieder, Mamen seinen wir gewinnen. Zwett von uns kein Schweiz nicht reden, von Geburt bis Ende leben. Hätte Hunger in euch Kerpe, geht uns Bräut und geht uns Blumen. Wenn wir gehen marschieren, bringen wir bessere Tag. Weil wir stärker mir der Freien wird, als stärker euch die Welt. Und Schlafferei und Leidig geht's, Abendsen genießt nur einer. Tört sich mit dem Guts von Leben, Reut und Reusen, Reut und Blumen. As we go marching, marching in the beauty of the day, a million darkened kitchens, a thousand mill lost gray, are touched with all the radiance that a sudden sun discloses. For the people hear us singing, red and roses, red and rose. As we go marching, marching, we battle to for men. For patriarchy hurts us all, and it has got to end. Our lives shall not be sweated from birth until life closes. Hearts starve as well as bodies. Give us bread, but give us roses. As we go marching, marching, unnumbered women dead, go crying through our singing, their ancient call for bread. Small art and love and beauty, their judging spirits new. Yes, it is bread we fight for, but we fight for roses too. As we go marching, marching, the people hear our call. The rising of the women means the rising of us all. No more the drudge and idler, 
and the toil where one reposes, but a sharing of life's glories, bread and roses, bread and roses. Joining me right now are our very special guests for today, all the way from Seattle on the West Coast, from the band Brivole, which is an anti-fascist klezmer band. We're going to be talking all about that. So we've got two members of the band with us. We have Stephanie Brandler, who plays accordion and sings in the band. Welcome, Stephanie. Thank you, Erin. And we also have Maya Brown, who plays banjo and also adds vocals to the band. Welcome, Maya. Okay, so just I kind of want to jump right into the heart of this conversation because I feel there is something really, really powerful happening on this continent right now on Turtle Island with um, Judaism, with music, and with this renewed sense of radicalism. And Brivole seems to be just one manifestation of that. There are, of course, many manifestations. If I borrow from the description of the band from your website, Brivole is a Seattle-based anti-fascist klezmer folk-punk trio who braid together oral history, Yiddish language, contemporary and old country musical genres, America vaudeville, and visual arts. Um, But just to, yeah, like I said, jump right to the heart of it, why an anti-fascist klezmer band today in 2019? Why in 2019? Well, um, I guess I'll back up and I'll say why did, I mean, the band started, uh, the, the seed for the band germinated in um, the fall of 2016. Um around the election and um, we started playing music together that following winter. Um, So um, I feel like this music is still relevant in 2019 um, following the, the decision to start the band. Um, Wow. Almost three years ago. Um, I mean, I think one thing that, that brings up for me stuff is um, that sort of all of our paths to Yiddish and Yiddishkeit and this larger tradition, whether we understand it as klezmer or not, um, speaks to looking for roots um, of struggle in times when we knew we needed something that sort of definitionally had more longevity um, than anything um, just of the moment being created without context. Um, so I think like when we started it in 2016 is relevant. And also the moment that we find ourselves talking to you, Aaron, um, like we understand sort of grasping backwards into a Yiddish political tradition of struggle, um, as something that also gives us access to a sense that, um, we we have to have, um, I guess, you know, like we can't be sprinting all the time. So we have to have something that's going to give us um, like that power to be like running the long, the long um, haul 
Uh, well, I just wanted to actually jump onto that with the, along with the tradition of struggle, there's always been the tradition of musicians being at the forefront mm-hmm. of social movements. And um, we can't just have people like, just like yelling in the streets and, and like we, we need heart and we need soul and we need um, inspiration. Mm-hmm. Indeed. And I mean, you know, speaking of that, picking up on that idea of like musicians being on the forefront of these movements, I mean, it's a really raw and and painful um, political moment that we're living in. But also, I think a political moment where we can hopefully find some inspiration and some hope. But, you know, we're we're living through pretty much daily mass shootings in the U.S., a lot of them targeting people of color. Um, you know, we could specifically talk about the um, the Tree of Life shooting in, in, in Pittsburgh that happened not even a year ago at the time that we're recording this. Um, so we're seeing, you know, just so many different um, marginalized identities being targeted, yet at the same time, there is all this music that uh, that's out there that's, that's speaking out against the powers that be. Um, what are you hoping that Brivelet will kind of add to this particular political moment that, that we're living in? I hope that it'll bring some beauty to these hard times. Um, I hope it, our music will bring some inspiration, some um, provocative prov- provocation um, mm-hmm. that you can, you, the, the, anybody you can, pick up an instrument and or sing songs and sing together with other people and and like start a movement start movement towards change you know like I was trying to um reconstruct exactly what um the conversation um was that we had when we were trying to figure out you know what what the thing that we were making should be called um and I think when I think about letters, and sometimes we say this um, in performances, I think about um, all of the different ways that we need to be um, like touching each other and communicating and figuring out how to communicate across um, like really difficult circumstances. And some of those are time, right? So in some ways, we are, are creating offerings of songs from... Um, back in the 18th, 19th, 20th century homes of some of our heritages and trying to create like letters to ourselves that we need to be hearing right now. Um, and also that we desperately want to sort of write back to those um, real and chosen ancestors um, and be in conversation with a longer contiguous sense of political struggle. Um, and also that, like, letters are love letters and letters are um, just small misses to get you through the day. Um, so in a way, like, I think we're creating something that wants to be an invitation to a lot of different things. It's an invitation to feel, like, heated and angry and rebellious and riled um, and also to get to feel a little bit of ease and connection um, in a time where that feels really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so you know like we're playing with other people whether it's a gig or just among friends I feel like we're trying to access all of those things simultaneously because of course we feel all of those complex things simultaneously and we also need all of those things to keep moving um so like a little bit of a spark as Stephanie's saying of like we have what we need to do the work we need to be doing and also and that should make us feel like energized to go build something and also at the same time like we need to sit down together sometimes um and do some sort of like more healing reflective connecting work Mm -hmm. and and on the letters part um Aaron I don't remember if you said this in your introduction of us that our name Drivola is a Yiddish word that means a little letter um so that's what Maya is referring to. Exactly. Thank you so much. And I, I was I was definitely going to ask about the, the meaning of the name of the band, the little little letter in, in Yiddish, but that was a perfect uh, encapsulation and a really beautiful encapsulation right there. So so thank you so much. Um, I've seen Brivole play uh, a few times now, so I, I feel very thankful for that. You know, especially with West Coast bands, um, it seems like um, y'all make it East uh, fairly regularly, which is kind of nice. But um, I had a chance uh, to see Brivola play in uh, in Baltimore, and it was this beautiful show. It was in, I guess, like a, a space that that used to be a church and is now more of a m- movement space, from what I understand. And um, mm-hmm. and you started with this amazingly beautiful a cappella rendition of Bread and Roses that was just like a dagger to the heart just so achingly beautiful i thought with the harmonization and everything that song represents historically politically so what's that like for you all when when you're up on stage and when you're putting your voices together in harmony like that for me like um like it's a reorientation like it's when especially if if we're singing our first song, um, we're figuring out where each of us are um, in a lot of different ways. And I love starting a cappella, and I love starting with, um, you know, we've been starting actually with Bread and Roses, and that was like a new thing that we we started over the last couple of months. But I, I have really loved doing that a couple of times that we've done it, and it feels um, it feels like finding each other and also like, finding where everybody else is in the space. Um, And it just feels like this sort of lovely orientation of like, all right, here we all are. Are we here? We know what we need. We know we don't have it all the time. Kind of going along that uh, of Bread and Roses, I mean, that that song in particular, um, maybe for our listeners who are unfamiliar with that song, because I know a lot of the songs that you all do are older songs, you know, from the past that you've reinterpreted, sometimes put into a modern context. Uh, But that's a song um, specifically about a labor strike, about the role of women in the labor movement. So can you tell us a little bit more about Bread and Roses? Sure. Um, Well, first, like, um, I feel like Bread and Roses is an interesting window into some of our process um, where we sort of encounter things um, in some ways, metaphorically and literally from the archives for bread and roses. Like I grew up with that song, um, as a child. Um, but 
we all sort of were intrigued and knew some of the history behind it, but also um, when we came to the lyrics, we're like, okay, like there's some work to be done here. Um, and I think, Steph, you were probably the first person who's like, we can't sing this as is. Like, like, can we do something with this that's like simple and honors the tune and isn't sort of like a performance of how we've changed it um, in a way, but mm-hmm. just does the necessary tweaking to be like, we get to have access to the things that are meaningful from times that are not like these. Um, and we don't have to shame the songs for being from the era that they're in, but we do need to make some changes. Um, mm-hmm. Some changes regarding some uh, performance of gender and gender roles. And like of, in the original lyrics, there was something about like women taking care of men. And that did not speak to me at all. Um, and but recognizing that this song is about the work that women do um, and um, just updating the song to make it more uh, present, more inclusive, um, more relevant to how I experience the world. One, two, three, four. Mm-hmm. And indeed for that one, I remember like, yeah, it's nice how how um, the band had added in kind of your own verses and with some commentary about patriarchy. And I think that really speaks to like, in general, um, what you guys are doing with the band, kind of like taking these, again, these old songs from the Yiddish folk tradition and sometimes mashing them up with slightly more recent tunes. So, you know, Bruce Springsteen, for example, like you've got that song, Hungry Yid, where it's like a play on um, yeah, um, Hungry Heart by Bruce Springsteen. So can you talk a little bit about like your approach? I mean, um, how do you choose these older songs and, and how are you kind of working to make them more relevant for today? And you, you did touch on that in the last answer, but maybe to just expand on it a little bit. When we've gone um, to dig a little deeper into songs that we think we know the story of, um, we're constantly finding like new layers underneath what we thought we knew about how the song was written and who wrote it and who wrote the words and who wrote the music um, and who supposedly said the words that inspired the poems first and these sorts of things. So what I think is really like ripe and rich about this sort of, not only Yiddish, but we're, we're working within a Yiddish tradition, but a Yiddish tradition of these sorts of songs is that they're already such palimpsests, um, before we even, you know, pick them up and handle them. And so since, you know, Bread and Roses, for example, many people think that it comes from like 
a Rose Schneider, Schneiderman speech, but like some people say that it actually comes from like a Helen Todd speech, and then it was a poem, and then it was put to music, and then it was used in the textile strike in Lawrence, Massachusetts um, in 1912. And so like these songs have lived so many different lives um, already. And so when we sort of pick them up, it feels as though um, we we get to just be part of that layering and part of that story um, and part of what people have always done with this music, which is to use it for what they need it for in the moment and, in time and that they're living. And sometimes when we are picking up a song, it's kind of like, oh, well, I like this melody or, oh, I like what they're saying in this song um, or what have you and or oh this song is an earworm I can't get it out of my head um maybe we should play it and then then it always turns into a like well let's let's do some more research about the song and then like someone will go down a rabbit hole of oh and then there's this and then there's this and did you know that and maybe we'll know some of that history but it's like so fun to learn about the where all of these songs have traveled from and and whose hands have touched them. In alle Gassen wohnen geht, hat man selbst doch Jinglech meidle kind und keitsch muss in von der Bovkes. Jinglech meidle kind und keitsch muss in von der Bovkes. Genug schon Brüder hora wenn, genug schon borgen leid. Macht das sowas doch gelome, Brüder sich befrei. Macht das sowas doch gelome, Brüder sich befrei. Brüder und Schwester, lome geben der Kind. Lome Nikolai, Galenza, Brech in der Wind. Wir machen kein Zoffes, wird man rufen der Polizei. Brothers and sisters all gather round. Together we are strong enough to bring this star down. Hey, hey, da loi police, da loi samerjvayets vrasse. Hey, hey, da loi police, da loi samerjvayets vrasse. Nechem choter kefirt, avegele mit mist. Chayn teser geborn, a capitalist. Wir machen kein Sofis, wird man rufen der Polizei Und noch dann erheben wir uns nein wie zwar Don't be ashamed, we won't stop until somebody calls the cops And even then we'll start again and just pretend that nothing ever happened We won't stop until somebody calls the cops And even then we'll start again and just pretend that nothing ever happened Hey, hey, da loi polizei, da loi samerjvayets, rassei out of your houses into the streets everybody say fuck the police
Well, I just I wanted to jump to to another thing, uh, kind of a really interesting recent context. So, um, and I was thinking about this a lot lately because um, we've been witnessing the horrors that are, you know, the Trump uh, immigration policies in the U.S. So, separating families at the border, putting kids, people in, into literal cages. Um, and mm-hmm. and then we've seen the Jewish community react to this, which I find really, really powerful. Um, you know, we all, as Jews speaking, I'm sure, have like, you know, found ways to, to tap into this. There have been Jews against ICE actions uh, happening uh, throughout the states. Uh, and up here in Canada, the context isn't entirely different. I mean, we've always had indefinite detention of migrants on the books in Canada. Um, Canada does detain migrant children. I mean, these are the kinds of things that Canadians think were so much better in the States, but they're happening right here in our own backyards. And so um, there was a a demonstration uh, just outside of Montreal in a town called Val David uh, at the end of August. And I know some of the people from uh, Brivolet were, were at uh, that demo. I can't remember who exactly was there, but I remember, I think I crossed paths with some of you there um, because it was at the same time that Klez Canada, which is a big Klezmer festival, camp, uh, workshops, etc., cetera, uh, that you all were taking part in. So that was just happening down the road. And then people from Montreal came up to protest against this company called Tissa, who are um, a construction company who are awarded the contract to build a new migrant detention center just outside of Montreal. And it was just, it, it turned out to be this beautiful, beautiful action because so many Klezmer musicians picked up their instruments and drove down the road to come and play songs of resistance in this kind of empty parking lot where there was no one around for miles. Um, but it was extremely uplifting. One thing, I don't know if either of you know this, but this is really fascinating. That company, Tisseur, actually filed an injunction against Solidarity Cross Borders, the group that organized that demonstration, to prevent them from having any other demonstrations on their property after that event. So clearly mm. they think that klezmer musicians are dangerous. Um, th- that's what it mm-hmm. says to me. Yeah. Um, but maybe just quick, um, I-, I can't remember exactly if either either of you, uh, Stephanie, I think you were there. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. w- what was it like uh, being at that action? Um, um, both Maya and I were there and um, it was, it was a very interesting space to be in um, with, um, I don't even know how many of us came, maybe like upwards of 50 Yiddishists against prisons um, who all coincidentally were at the same event. We were at Clause Canada, but we were not there as people representing Clause Canada. We were there as Yiddishists against prisons. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, it was interesting for me um, personally, being um, not of not a Canadian citizen, and um, not really knowing like oh, what kind of implications does this have um, to be demonstrating um, against something um, like I've I crossed that border from the U S into Canada, I have 
a ton of privilege. Um, when, when I crossed the border, I, the, there was like no concern about, um, whether I would be, um, I don't even know, like creating any sort of, um, issues that the Canadian government or people who, um, profit off of the, um, the direction of the Canadian government, like um, the private prison, um, how am I implicated and how is everyone else implicated? Like we're there to talk about crossing borders and who may, who should be allowed and like who, who is allowed and who is not allowed to be crossing borders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it was an interesting experience having just crossed a border um, very easily as Steph described um, to then find ourselves in this, um, in this context. And I think um, Steph has in the past been quite articulate about what it feels like in general, but certainly in this moment um, to be in, um, you know, picket or protest um, spaces and um, this very specific way that um, you feel like you're chanting at a brick wall. Um, and it is so deeply draining of any of your like moral fiber or energy or feelings of like possibility of change or being in community with people. Um, this sort of like soul deadening, like half-hearted chanting of a small group of people in front of a corporate office, which I think many of us are very familiar with um, for decades. Um, and so to all of a sudden, I think both, both of us got to experience hearing like the chanting of a small group of people over a megaphone as all of these klezmers like started getting out of cars with instruments and like walking towards this small group of people. And all of a sudden, like there was musical accompaniment to all of the chants and then there were songs and then there was dancing um, in this parking lot. Um, And so it went from something that I think like actually just sort of sucks vampirically the energy out of you. Um, to something that actually, like, I think brought energy to people um, and felt like a much more, you know, I don't know, like productive and also sort of community building um, space full of more potential um, than I was sort of accustomed to experiencing at these sorts of actions. And it's, it's a demonstration not just of our um, political beliefs of how we want to see um, these companies behave differently, but it's also literally a demonstration of how we want to exist in the world. We want to exist in the world as being able to sing, as being able to dance, as being able to be in community with each other. And and I um, appreciate that um, so many people will be able to be there and to be joining together with such joy for life and joy for the possibilities and potential of how we can re-envision the world without prisons, without detention, without borders. That's what I, what I aspire to see in every political demonstration is not just a demonstration of, 
um, how we want the um, the corporations and the government to behave differently, but how do we want to demonstrate our own actions, our own lives? How do we want to set an example for each other? Mm, very well said. And I said. think that that's what makes action feel more radical also, because I think when, when you do something as, like, um, beauty-creating as that, um, the fact that we're in the parking lot of a particular corporation becomes somewhat irrelevant on a particular level, which then says, we're not even here to say that you have to behave differently. We're here to say that you shouldn't even exist to behave the way that you're behaving. Um, and we're going to say that in a way um, where we've just made you irrelevant because we're creating music and making connections with people who have come from all around the world and happened to all know these particular anti-fascist songs in Yiddish, which was very moving to be mm -hmm. like in a crew where everybody knew all of those songs and it wasn't just like a couple of us teaching people. Um, that was very wild. Um, and I also think like it's the first time that I feel like I identified as a klezmer, like specifically it was like, yeah, like we're, we're all klezmers rolling up here. Um, Brevola mm -hmm. does, um, as a part of a tradition that is, we do very few actual klezmer tunes and we're like rolling around in a much broader um, tradition of Yiddish music and song. Um, but that doesn't mean we're not klezmers, right? Because that just means like klezmer means musician, means um, someone who plays. Um, and so it was really lovely to like, yeah, it, we know it as a very specific genre of Ashkenaz music. Um, but, you know, like, so it was just lovely to be like, this is what klezmers are. Like, this is what klezmers do. Because we get out of our cars in, you know, outside in like the farmland of Montreal, outside of Montreal, and stand in front of this corporation's office. Oi nari chetzionisen mit ayer nari shin meichel in machton gain zu dem arbeter un lernen baim seichel in machton gain zu dem arbeter un lernen baim seichel ihr wilt uns von kinrushalaim mir sallen dort un goladain mir willen besser sein in russenland mir wellen sich befreien Wir wollen besser sein in Russenland. Wir wollen sich befreien. Oh, you foolish little Zionists, with your utopian mentality, you better go down to the factory and learn the workers' reality. You better go down to the factory and learn the workers' reality. You wanna take us to Jerusalem so we can die as a nation. We'd rather stay in the diaspora and fight for our liberation. We'd rather stay in the diaspora and fight for our liberation. Gruppen kizionisti, vita kia utopisti, liebe luchas livra bocia, ilif trubacisti, liebe luchas livra bocia, ilif trubacisti. 
We'd rather stay in the diaspora and fight for our liberation. All right, welcome back to The Rebel Beat. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Brivole. Again, please check out their music and buy their album if you dig it. We've posted a link to their Bandcamp in their show notes. Also, maybe some of you have seen this, but Bandcamp's been doing something really, really interesting during the pandemic. They have certain days where Bandcamp doesn't actually take a cut of the music. So if you buy music from artists, 100% of what you pay goes directly to them, which is really, really cool. The next free days on Bandcamp they're going to be doing are June 5th and July 3rd. So good days if you're going to buy Brivley's music then. But of course, if you want to buy it any day, you know, that's always welcome. Also, the band wanted all of our listeners to know they're taking submissions for the Antifa Kugel book, a la Anarchist Cookbook. Here's a little description of that. The cookbook will have recipes for actual food in it, like Kugel. But also it'll have your own instructions and stories about cooking up other types of mayhem, music, and community. Written, drawn, and collage submissions are all on point. We want this to be a collection of little letters that we send to each other as part of the making of the revolution. The book will be printed zine style and sold at our shows and on Bandcamp for a sliding scale, starting at the cost of printing. If you have a submission, we'll credit you in the book and send you two free copies. Some ideas... You can send in food recipes, kugel, borscht, babka, fermentation, etc. Activisting, like wheat pasting, stenciling, neighborhood beautification, organizing your workplace, or music, how to play an instrument, how to start a band, organize or book a show, etc. So the deadline for these submissions is August 1st, 2020, and you can send them by email to info at brivolet.com. That is info at Brivele, which is B-R-I-V-E-L-E dot com. But we will, of course, put that up in the show notes. One last thing before we go. We used to have a section of the Rebel Beat right at the end called the Turn It Up segment, where we'd highlight a band or an artist who'd been using their platform for radical social change. But I haven't been doing that much lately in the last few episodes. I think I actually kind of forgot about it. (laughs) But then also music news these days has been a little slow. That's not to say that all of the radical musicians and bands out there aren't doing amazing things in terms of helping mutual aid efforts or just fighting back against, you know, cutthroat capitalism in these times. But the news has been slow. But that being said, I want to always crowdsource suggestions If you have a suggestion for the Turn It Up segment, something you think we should know about, please send me an email, rebel at ckut.ca, or hit us up on social media. We would love to include your ideas. Before we go, we want to thank all of our supporters on Patreon who make this podcast possible. Yannick, Andrew, Andy, Donald, Frank, Grill, Ryan, Jean-Philippe, Justine, Lee, Misha, Nick, Philip, Ross, San, Sarah, Sarah, and Sir Seatbelt. 
If you want your name as part of that beautiful credit roll, you can head on over to patreon.com slash rebelbeatradio right now, sign up and support us with a monthly donation. We'll be back with more Rebel Beat episodes soon, but until then, stay safe, stay home, and stay rebel. How can we imagine a world beyond prisons and police, borders and surveillance? Rust Belt Abolition Radio is an abolitionist media and movement building project based in Detroit, Michigan. Each monthly episode amplifies the voices of those impacted by mass incarceration and explores ongoing work in the movement to abolish the carceral state and racial capitalism. Tune in to Rust Belt Abolition Radio here on the Channel Zero Network and visit www.rustbeltradio.org to learn more.